Our scripture reading this morning will be taken from Mark chapter 8, verses 34 through 38. In your pew Bible, this is located on page 891. I'll be reading from the New King James Version. When he had called the people to himself with his disciples also, he said to them, Whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake and the gospel's will save it. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Good morning. It is good to see each of you. If you're a guest, again, we welcome you. It encourages us that you're here and we want to be an encouragement to you. Happy New Year. Here we are the first Sunday of the year. If the Lord gives us life to live, what can we do in 2013 for the glory of God? What can you do individually? What can you do as a family? What can we do collectively, all working together for God's glory? I want to begin, and we'd be amiss to not share with you at least one of the many thank you notes that we have received from Latin America preachers as a result of sending down uh, at least uh, 60 individual gifts of $50 to their families for them to buy a holiday meal and enjoy together. And uh, one of our brothers, Carlos Randolfo, he is from Chulateca, Honduras, and he wrote this note to Chris and Rachel Pate. And of course, this note could be multiplied 60 times over to, to so many of you that were involved in this. But Carlos, as you see, is he and his beautiful family here, he said, I want to thank you and I'm thankful to God and for you that you do this beautiful work for all the preachers so that we can have a dinner with our families. And in our case, we have a dinner with the brothers and sisters in the church every December 31st to bring in the new year. And this extra money was greatly needed uh, for this dinner. Thank you to the brother and sister that made this possible. And again, I say thank you to the people who sent it. And you see there a picture of their congregation, uh, their, their church building and various ones in the congregation. And just uh, even a picture of the plate of food there uh, that was a part of their dinner. How many people can we encourage this year? Who on your street can you reach out and encourage this year? Who in your workplace can you reach out and encourage this year? Collectively, who can we encourage across this community, this state, this nation, and even this world? To think of the various works that we have part in in various continents, and perhaps by the time this year is over, we'll be involved in many more people's lives that we've not even met yet. I hope you'll be prayerful. I hope that you'll be passionate. I hope you'll be used in God's service. We want to make sure that we never stop feeding ourselves. If we ever lose focus of who we are as God's children, that we submit to God in everything, we've lost it all. 
If you're sitting on the end of a pew that has these bookmarks, if you will, pick those up and take one and pass down, and there's enough for every uh, body that's old enough to read. Uh, once you have passed them down, if you will, just leave them on one end of the pew for second service, and you'll see that this is entitled Mailbox because you have mail. If you are holding your Bible within those covers, there are several letters that have been written to members of the Lord's church in the New Testament. And what we want to do this year is we want to study the, the letters that are written to Christians throughout the New Testament. And so you'll see a study guide here where we will read either one or two chapters together every week. And on Sunday nights, we will pick something out of that passage and study it together. And then on Wednesday evenings, if you're in the adult class, that is the auditorium class that Tim Martin teaches, that'll be a mailbox class this coming year. And you'll go into greater depth of each of these readings. We hope all of you are reading and studying God's word every day. This would be a wonderful part to add to your daily reading so that together as a church, family. We study the epistles together. Now, there are going to be some minor tweaks and changes to this. And so next week, you'll come in and see the second edition of this in the pews again. And we'll pass them out and ask you to throw this one away. Don't spend the sermon time trying to figure out what we're tweaking there. Also, also if you will, uh, pass the calendars down if you haven't done that already. If you will, get right now one per family. Several of you have already picked these up last week, and so we really don't have enough to go one per uh, person that can read uh, through both services this morning. Uh, but then if you need more after this Sunday, we can have as many as you need available. Uh, but I want to take just a moment. For the last couple of years, we've passed this out and said very little. And you know, in leadership training, uh, poor communication is poor leadership. And we want to make sure that we take just a moment to explain and get all of us on the same page of how important it is that we're aware of what lies before us because together we can do much more than individually. Here you have obviously a calendar of the year. You see that our theme this year is going to be soul focus. We want to be reminded of who we are and who others are and where we're going to spend in eternity. We want to do everything that we can do to help increase the population of heaven. Each month that you, you will see a theme. It doesn't mean that every Sunday there'll be a sermon on that particular theme, but yet many of the Sundays there will be sermons on those particular themes. But you'll see within that month there will be something relating to that theme. And so as we think about involving souls, you'll see in January that toward the end of this month we're going to have Involvement Sunday. And it's an opportunity to just clearly communicate with you many, many opportunities that you have to be involved in the Lord's work here at the Mount Juliet Congregation. I'd like to take your eyes to April 28th. That is an important day as the whole church family is encouraged to invite five or ten individuals to come and be a part of that day. Also a day that affects almost the entire congregation. It's more than a day. It's June 24th fourth through 27th, you'll see Vacation Bible School. It takes so many adults working. It takes so many kids working and being excited about it. And it takes all of us inviting for that to be a day and a, an experience that we want it to be experienced to touch so many lives of our own children and children throughout the community. If you'll drop down to September, you see that we'll have two big days in September. On the 8th, we'll have Bible Class Emphasis Day. And on the 22nd, we'll have Family Day. And again, these are days that we hope everybody will be inviting others. Uh, we want to invite others continually, uh, but we hope that everybody will be inviting, especially uh, for those days. Then as you see some of the uh, various emphasis throughout the month, 
we've already mentioned that the 27th of January is Involvement Sunday. You see February the 17th is Scholarship Sunday for the young men uh, that are Bible majors or minors that we are supporting in their studies. Uh, they will preach for us that day. And if there's young ladies involved in that, they'll teach Bible class in the ladies class that day. It'll be a wonderful time as always. On March the 3rd, we are excited. We'll have Mission Sunday. And not only to think about the various mission works that we can be involved in collectively throughout the year, but we have something very, very special planned for that day itself. Uh, we hope that great good is accomplished on even that day itself. You also notice that we have a mission trip to El Salvador, but yet because that trip has grown so much, if you drop down to July, you see that there's a second mission trip scheduled to El Salvador uh, because now we have plenty of workers to conduct two trips a year and we're thankful for that opportunity to be able to do that. You see in May 19th, Senior Recognition Day, and then also when you drop down uh, to July the 7th, you see Second Greatest Command Day. It's usually in August, but this year we want to do some things in the community to show and to fulfill the Second Greatest Commandment before school starts. And so uh, that'll be a wonderful opportunity for us to be involved in. Our back-to-school service will be the end of July. And then also you see we're the Sermon Day in October, Prayer Day in November. And then if you drop back to January, you probably have caught on to this, but let me just mention this just in case. There are abbreviations all throughout this calendar, but we tried to be more thorough in the month of January. So if you're wondering what a particular abbreviation is, usually you can go back to January and you'll see a, a better explanation of what that abbreviation might mean. But please know this, anything on this calendar that you want to know more about, we would love to answer your questions. We want everyone to find their place in this body and we understand that God's place that he would give us in this body is a place that is alive, it's vibrant, and it's growing spiritually. And whatever we can do to help each other grow spiritually, that's what we want to do. I asked you last week, and I ask you one more time, and I beg you to do this. Will you be praying for the leaders of this congregation? This coming weekend, we're going to go into a retreat. And because of our theme of soul focus, we're going for that retreat. The theme is going to be our souls focus. And as leaders, we're going to try to grow spiritually. As leaders, we're going to try to really be committed to what we can do to help you grow spiritually. Will you please be praying for the elders, for the deacons, and for the ministers that the investment of time that is made Friday and Saturday uh, would be something that would bless the work of the Lord's church here at the Mount Juliet Congregation. If any of the leaders uh, that this pertains to has questions, be sure and let us know if you have questions about this particular weekend. And we look forward to being uh, with every one of the leaders uh, during this weekend. The experience that we have together is definitely edifying. Next week, we're going to take some time to look at the beauty of adoption. If you have been adopted, you have adopted, you've been blessed by adoption in your family, I would love to hear from you this week as I could just try to lay out some, some stories and things for you to answer. I'm going to be corresponding with a lot of you by email this next week. And so if you could let me know, I already, uh, just from Wednesday night's announcement, have a lot of contacts uh, from so many of you already. But if, if, uh, if I do not have a contact, if we've not talked since Wednesday night, uh, please be sure and either mark on your card 
uh, that your family's been blessed by adoption and, and put down an email address if you have one, or if you want to simply email me, uh, firstname.lastname at mountjuliet.org. We'll reach any of the elders, deacons, ministers. And so if you will email me, david.shannon at mountjuliet.org, we look forward uh, to seeing the blessing as we can study this beautiful topic next Sunday morning together. Also, uh, what a blessing we've had to have so many baptisms this past year. To God, we give all the glory, but we can never become guilty as a congregation. And if we have, God forgive us. Baptism is not the end. Baptism is just the beginning. When you look at the Great Commission in Matthew, the 28th chapter, we see that discipleship is what is to be made. Not just baptism, discipleship. He says, go and make disciples. We see that by going, we see that by baptizing, but we see that by continuing to teach all things whatsoever I've commanded you. And so we are thankful that not this Wednesday night, but the next Wednesday night, we'll have a class that will be beginnings. And it is especially for those that have been baptized in, in recent times. And, and we're not going to put a time frame on that as much as if you've been baptized and want to be a part of a class that's going to go over some fundamentals, it'll actually give you some things that you can study along the way. Mitch Poscovich is going to be teaching that class. And we would hope that uh, if, if you're married, that you bring your spouse with you. And we would hope that this is something that, that you can grow together through this study that you'll be doing together over the next few weeks. But our hope is that everyone uh, would be a part of that, that, that this fits you uh, because we want to encourage you. you. You've made a wonderful decision to become a Christian, uh, but we want to encourage you to continue growing and we hope this class will do just that. And so that brings us, and I'm sorry for so many announcements so far as time's sake, uh, but here we are at the beginning of the year and there's so many things that we need to be reminded of. And so let's think for just uh, the, the time that we have left of the important topic of the soul focus, living a meaningful life. When your life is over, when you've breathed your last breath, will you have lived a meaningful life? You can't wait to then to decide that. If you want to live a meaningful life, you have to begin while you have life. You have to begin while you have opportunity. I think about the story John Maxwell told. You know, he's an international speaker and has written dozens of books. And he said, the first time my wife and I went on an international trip, it was to Japan. And so before we left home, we went out and we picked two of the largest suitcases each. And he said, we piled them and stuffed them full of things because we wanted to have everything that you could possibly need. And he said, we thought that was a great idea until we got off the airport and realized that in Japan, almost everywhere we went was going to be on rail. He said, each of us had these two suitcases that were about the size of each of us individually. And he said, we're trying to drag them through crowded train stations, trying to get them on trains, trying to get them off trains. And he said, finally, I got fed up to the point one day where I was wading through a crowd trying to get my two large suitcases. I parked them. I turned around. My wife was trailing me, trying to manage her two suitcases. And when she caught up with me, I was so angry. I said, whoever is strong enough to carry these off can have them. He said, that's the closest we ever got to a divorce. He said, he said, but you know what we did? He said, the next time, the next time we got ready to travel internationally, we packed our bags in carry-ons. He said, we figured out there were a lot of things we didn't need. There were a lot of things we could do without. 
And he said, we enjoyed that trip so much more because we learned to travel lightly. Listen, this morning, if you think the goal of this study is that the preacher's trying to convince you to pile more on your plate and more on your plate, I assure you I've miscommunicated if that's what you walk away with. This morning, I'm urging you to see what is it that you need to clean up. It may mean that, that you need to take your big, huge suitcase of life and you may need to get it down to an overnight sized bag. You may need to get it down to a carry-on and you may need to bring it down to the things that matter the very, very most. This whole year, our goal as a congregation is that we want to continually, from the Word of God, remind each other that really when everything is said and done, the focus on our soul and that relationship with God is all that matters. Soul focus. As we continue to think about this soul focus we think about it being a new year. You've turned a page on your calendar, but it's also a new year. And oftentimes we look at that as a fresh start. But the problem with maintaining the fresh start is that we are oftentimes so distracted. You know that some experts say that, that we have 3,000 commercial messages that come through our eyes and through our ears every day. No wonder we get distracted. And no wonder we begin thinking that things that aren't really important are important. And so what we've got to do is really be disciplined to say, I want to be focused and I want to keep my eyes on the things that matter the most. And I don't want to be distracted. And the world is going to try to distract. And so when we think about how can we do that and how can we make New Year's resolutions, this morning, my goal is not the hope that you would walk out and say, here are my five New Year's resolutions. Here's my 10, year, 10 things that I want to do this New Year. Listen, if you've got some New Year's resolutions, that's great, but that's not the purpose of this message. The purpose of this message is to say, how could you live a better life? I'm not talking about just a list that you could post on a dashboard, on a mirror, on a refrigerator. I'm talking about a life. Have you noticed that lives are lived out like stories? You and I do not get up every day and we don't live a list. We live a life. And have you noticed some things about stories? Stories that are good stories. If, if, you, if you read a good book, if you listen to a good storyteller, and if at the end of that book or that story you say, that was a great story, I love that story, you always see that the character in that story had some kind of ambition. And that ambition was to move toward a climatic scene at the end where something's going to be fulfilled in the life of that individual. And so there has to be an inciting incident that moves that ambitious person into action. But have you ever noticed that every great story always has conflict? The rule of thumb is you and I don't like conflict, but the reality is conflict is our friend. Conflict makes us stronger and conflict means we're headed towards something productive and conflict gives us the opportunity to overcome and to grow stronger. And then there is that climatic scene where there it is, we finally arrived. Now this morning I want to ask you, what about your life? Are you ambitious? Are you moving towards something? And if you are, do you know what you're moving toward? Are you going to like it when you get there? Are you going to regret that you've arrived there? If it is worth obtaining, are you willing to overcome the conflict that will be required to overcome that? 
in the scripture text that was read this morning, I'd like for you and I to back up just the paragraph before that and see what led us to this. Look, if you will, to Mark the ninth chapter in 31. Mark the ninth chapter in 31. Notice where he says, and he began to teach them. Now this is Jesus. He began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected by the elders and the chief priests and the scribes and be killed. And after three days, rise again. He spoke these, this word openly. Now let's pause there for just a moment. What we have here is we have an ambitious beginning by Jesus. Now I'm not saying this was literally the beginning of his ministry, but notice he says in 31, he began to teach them that the Son of Man must go to Jerusalem, he would suffer, he would die, he would be buried, he'd be resurrected. He had not been preparing them for this all along the way. This is something he began here. As a matter of fact, when we read Matthew's account of the gospel, we see that this very same account is in Matthew 16. He told them again in Matthew 17 and told them again in Matthew 20. Now that's easy for us to say, oh, Jesus told them three times. No, the way this is worded, see there in 32 where he says he spoke this word openly, what seems to be pointed out here is, look, this is not something that Jesus just said three times. This is something Jesus spoke openly about. This was something that Jesus says, okay, now it's time in my ministry. I have an ambition. Well, what's this ambition leading toward? This ambition is leading toward that climatic scene of my death, burial, and resurrection. He knew one day I want to be able to rise from the grave and I want to have lived upon this earth as the perfect lamb of God. I want to grow, go to that cross and I want to lay down my life and not sin, not fight back, but give my life on that cross. Jesus knew what he was headed toward. And so he had an ambition. And the ambition was not only for him to arrive to that, but for his disciples to arrive to that. And so what did he do? That day he began teaching because he wanted them to arrive safely at that destination at which he also wanted to arrive. When we think about ambition, this morning I want you to think about what you're ambitious about doing. What is it that in your life you have really given your all? When we think about ambition needs to be tied to the climatic scene, he mentions it at the end of the scripture reading that we've already had read this morning. He mentions that day of judgment when Jesus is going to come again and the glory of the Father and all the holy angels with him. Now please get this. You're going to stand there and you're going to give an account of your life. And I hope that the ambition that you have today in your life is all wrapped and mingled through the fact that one day you can say, I want to stand before my Lord on the day of judgment and I want to hear him call me friend. I want to hear him call me his child of God. I want to hear him say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. You see, this morning, I'm not asking you to make a list of New Year's resolutions. I'm asking you, will you do things that are ambitious, that will lead you to that ultimate scene one day that's going to be the most climatic scene that you've ever been a part of? You will want it more than you can even imagine right now. 
There's no way for us to even convince each other how desperately we will long for an eternal relationship with God at that point. I need to be ambitious today to move toward that. But also, I shouldn't be selfish. I should also want to be ambitious today that anything that I could do to help my family, what could I do to help my family stand on that day of judgment? Now look, we can't stand for them and we can't answer for them. We are not responsible for them, but we are responsible to them. What kind of example are we giving our family? Are we helping our family so that they can stand on that day of judgment? But also, we think beyond that and we think to the fact that we want to serve the Lord and we want to worship faithfully because in that it gives us an opportunity to not only study of God's word and pour out our adoration and worship to God, but do you realize that worship in our study time in Bible class is an opportunity to encourage our church family. 2013, the end of December, if the Lord wills time, you will have lived a year. Will the Mount Juliet church family be stronger and more encouraged because of you? Do you have that ambition? Do you have the ambition that says, look, the people that, that I'm close to, the people in my Bible class, the guests that I'm sitting around, the, the people that, that I reach out to, I want to make a difference in their life. I want to be an encourager. I want to encourage them to live a faithful life. I want to encourage them to stand with the Lord. Listen, this morning, I'm not asking you for a list, but I'm asking you, what is your ambition? Do you really want to stand on the day of judgment? Prepared. Well done. Do you really want your family to stand on the day of judgment? Prepared. Hearing well done because of your influence. Do you really want the congregation at Mount Juliet to be strong because of your influence? Well, how would that be done? I almost hesitate to give you this next list because there's not one place in the Bible that, very, that makes it this simple. But if I could give you this next list, I simply want to offer you these things because when I see individuals that are a spiritual strength and they're a spiritual encouragement to their family and they're a spiritual rock in the congregation wherever they worship and serve, these things are almost always in common because these are some of the attributes and characteristics and, and behaviors, if you will, of a faithful Christian. Number one, I want to encourage you to be ambitious to read and, and study your Bible and pray daily. Why? Because of that day that's coming. Not because you say, oh, it's just something on my to-do list each day, but it's because you want to have that relationship with God because of that day that's coming. Also, attend worship. Go to Bible classes. Why? Because you want to be prepared on that day and you want to encourage others in your family and in your church family to be prepared that day. Live a loving, faithful life at home. Can we overemphasize that one? You can't. We sometimes look for huge things we can do in the kingdom when the reality is a lot of the huge things we do in the kingdom is how we live behind closed doors at home. How do you live at work? What if you went home and said, I want to be a faithful Christian here? And what if you went to work and said, I want to be a faithful Christian here? And what if you went around every friendship you have and your goal this year was simply, I want to be a faithful Christian here? What if that was our ambition? Because you want to stand 
faithful to the Lord on the day of judgment, but you want those that you know to be encouraged to also stand the same and serve in a ministry. We were created to serve the Lord and to glorify the Lord. Let's make sure that all of us finds a place to serve in the Lord's kingdom here at Mount Julia. If there are sins that you have not yet repented of and you have not yet sought God's forgiveness, that's where you have to start. You've got to turn it around and clean it up and become right by the grace of God and the blood of Jesus Christ. We can have that cleansing, but we have to decide, are we going to get sin out of our life? And then ultimately... Do you care about souls? Do you care about your own soul? Do you care about the souls of your family? Do you care about the souls of your coworkers? Let's go back and I'd like for you to look at the rest of Mark 8, 32 and 33. Notice Peter took him aside and began to rebuke him and said, but when he had turned around and looked at his disciples, he rebuked Peter saying, Get behind me, Satan, for you are not mindful of the things of God, but of the things of men. You see, Jesus was having conflict. Jesus went into this situation saying, I know what I'm headed towards. I'm headed towards the resurrection. And what I am ambitious about is I'm ambitious of getting all my disciples ready for that. And now here comes the conflict. We're always going to have conflict. And you would expect your enemies to give you conflict, but here it's one of his closest friends. Peter is the one here giving conflict. And what was the conflict? The conflict was because Peter was placing greater emphasis on earthly things than eternal things. Physical things were above spiritual things. And listen, there will be times that that will be your weakness. There will be times that will be your spouse's weakness. There'll be times that that will be your parents' or your children's weakness. There will be times that that will be your preacher's weakness, your elder's weakness, the deacons that you work with weakness, your Bible class teachers. Listen, we're human. We struggle to keep our eyes on spiritual things. And sometimes our very own brothers and sisters in Christ are the ones who creates the conflict to say, let's place more emphasis on the physical. And Jesus has to address not the, the, the Pharisees that hated Jesus. He didn't have to face the ones that were deep in the world that were so ungodly. Jesus had to face his closest disciple and say, you're like Satan right now. You're working against the very cause that I'm trying to be a part of. Are we going to be willing? Are we going to be willing as we go to the next slide? When conflict arises to stop you from studying as you should, will you allow the conflict to beat you? When the conflict urges you to not worship tonight, what will that conflict be? It may be a spouse. It may be your children. It may be your selfish, fleshly nature thinking that physical things are more important than spiritual. What are you going to do at that moment of conflict? When the opportunity to study God's word together in a Bible class and there's going to be conflict that arises that says, I'm, I'm not going to do that. Are you going to say no? I have an ambition and my ambition is to stand before the Lord on the day of judgment and I'm willing to put everything about God in front of everything that is about this earth.
What about being faithful at home? What about serving in a ministry? What about repenting of sins? What about caring for souls? You see the point. The point is there's always going to be conflict. And so as we bring this lesson around, I'd like for you to see that he offers an inciting incident. We've already read this. You look in Mark the eighth chapter. It was read in our scripture reading. What was his teaching? His teaching in the middle of verse 34 is whoever desires to come after me, let him deny himself and take up his cross and follow me. For whoever desires to save his life will lose it, but whoever loses loses his life for my sake and the gospel's sake will save it. The Lord is inviting us to, to create an exciting incident. He's inviting us to do something that is huge. He uses a strong word. He says, are you willing to deny self? That literally means what it sounds like. You remember Jesus was denied by Peter three times? The word denial is the idea of abandonment. It's the idea of I'm turning completely away from. And the Lord is saying here, listen, if you're going to be my disciple, you're going to have to deny self. In other words, the character that's you in the story of your life is going to have to get up and get ambitious. And there's going to have to be a huge sacrifice. And it's a sacrifice of self-will. Listen, I do not believe that the Lord asked every one of us to become a martyr, but everyone that is a servant of the Lord must be willing to be a martyr. That's the incident that the Lord is trying to incite us to become a part of. And so what is your plan as we look at that same list again? What is your plan where you say, I'm not going to sit around as a spiritual couch potato. I really am going to be serious about my study and my prayer life. I really am going to be serious about the worship and, and Bible study. I really am going to be serious about spiritual life in my home. I really am going to be serious about the opportunity to serve God. I'm going to find a ministry to be a part of. I really am going to be serious about repenting of sins. I'm going to get my life purged and clean of the things that are wrong in my life. I really am going to be serious about souls. Listen, it's not enough to just say I'm going to do something. That's not ambition. Ambition is where we get out and we put incidents in it. Where we say, this is the action, this is the plan, this is what I'm going to do. But then look at the climatic scene that Jesus gives here. In 36 and 37, he reminds us the worth of a soul. What if you gain the whole world and lose your own soul? And then if you did that and you wanted your soul back, look at 37, what will a man give in exchange for a soul? We see that's a bad business deal. Gain the whole world, you lose your own soul. Why is it a bad business deal? Because of verse 38. I'd like for you to notice this again and we close. For whoever is ashamed of me and my words in this adulterous and sinful generation, of him the Son of Man also will be ashamed when he comes in the glory of his Father with the holy angels. Jesus says all of this, Mark records it to lead up to that final scene. Jesus is coming again. All the holy angels are going to be with him. We're going to be standing in the glory of the Father. And the question is, what are we going to hear? And someone says, well, I'm not worried. I'm the richest man in the world. I gained the whole world. You go to the funeral of the richest man you've ever met. And what does he have lying in that casket? How many million is he worth lying in that casket? How many billion is he worth lying in that casket? 
What's it matter? The appliances in your kitchen, the square footage in your house, the car you drive, the office you work in. What does it matter lying in your casket? You gain the whole world and lose your soul. You still will stand on that final day of judgment. And what you will have wished is that your ambition would have been to serve the Lord and to live an eternity with Him. Every life, every story, there's a character. And he or she either has the ambition that moves them in the right direction or they don't. They're lazy or they incite incident. They get about it and they know conflict is coming and I'm not going to allow conflict to stop me. Why? Because there's a day coming when I want to hear from the Lord, well done, thou good and faithful servant. This morning, if we could help you with your ambition, if we could help you with where you want to spend in eternity, we'd love to do so. The Lord's the one who has done it. And we just want to encourage you along the way. If we can pray with you or for you. Maybe you've never become a Christian and you're ready to be baptized into Christ to make that commitment that's just the beginning. And we'd love to walk with you and encourage you along the way. If 2013 is going to be what it ought to be in your life, this morning would be the time to make sure it's right.